podcast listeners. This is Annabelle Gaparti, the founder, producer and host of the podcast Lawfully Creative. Today I'd like to introduce you to James Quinland, the journalist and consultant specializing in the podcasting industry, who issues the newsletter Pod News as well as the podcast Pod News every day. What a man. And on Monday, last Monday, the uh, I think the 27th of November 2023, at 9 a.m. in the morning, UK time, I had the pleasure of uh, speaking with James about his trajectory in the radio and podcasting sectors, and also his views about the podcasting industry as it stands now. So enjoy this uh, very insightful content that uh, James has uh, had the grace of partaking with us. And um, I'll see you at the other end of uh, this uh, episode to um, to give you a, uh, a, a, a few uh, pointers. Bye for now. I'm ready to crack on when you are. Great. Me too. Cool. <laughs> so I I did, you know, a fair amount of research on your on, on, on your, your trajectory in the uh, radio and podcast uh industries. And yeah. uh you are quite uh, as they as they say, you're hyper hyphenate in the sense that you you have your hands and eyes on lots of things. <laughs> so I try to, yeah. you know like integrate this and, and assimilate and, and and see the trajectory. So is my understanding correct? You were born in Yorkshire. I was born in London, uh, actually, but I grew up in Yorkshire. So I spent uh, a long time working uh, for radio stations in um, in uh, Yorkshire, in West Yorkshire and South Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I am. I am. Uh, I was born in in uh, in Hammersmith. So uh, not ah, too far away okay. from where you are, probably. Um, I'm, I'm in St John's Wood, close to Region Swag. So, so but but oh, yes, of course, compared to Yorkshire, it's much closer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. And so, where did you go to university? Uh, and, and was that in London or in Yorkshire? I went to the University of Life. Uh, I was so excited about working in audio, so excited about okay. working in radio that I, um, uh, I tiptoed away from, uh, from uh, school one weekend and uh, spent £300, which at that point was a lot of money, in learning radio skills, learning how to edit tape, learning um, how to do an interview, uh, learning all of that kind of stuff while I was still at school, uh, spending my own pocket money on that. Uh, and then as soon as I left school at the age of 18, I jumped into working working for a radio station. All time in the um, Okay, so you learned on the job. You're, you are... So uh... I've most, most definitely learned on the job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, wow. That's, um, it shows from yeah. your... It shows from your... your, your, ba- your, your background and in particular what you can read on your profile on LinkedIn because I I, mm. I, I saw that um, indeed you started as as a, as a, a, a copywriter in uh, let me have a look again 
in yeah, places uh, like uh, in, in uh, Bradford and then and then in Sheffield, Penine, yeah, yeah, Pennine FM, Viking FM, and the Pulse of West Yorkshire. So you you start in in that in in being technical mm. operator and also as well as as a, a copywriter, and and then you moved on to. Um, advertising role work in for Hallam FM to IT training for presenters and producers at EMAP Radio to head of digital platforms of the Virgin Radio Network in 2005. So I was like impressed by how you uh, sort of um, delved into various areas mm. of, uh, of the radio industry, probably because you don't like to get bored. Yes, not getting bored is a very important uh, thing. So I spent two years um, behind the microphone being a radio presenter, and um, and I realised probably at the beginning of year two that this was not a job for me. Um, like like and, being like uh, like, a, like a host or a, a yeah, host like or a host or an announcer or a DJ or an RJ, depending on which part of the world you're you're in. Um, and why was yes. that? Because you seem to be the kind of chap who likes talking to audiences and to people and. <laughs> Probably you're a yeah, I, like me or something. Got I think I think I liked I liked it, but I also felt that I wasn't really doing anything. I wasn't really. I mean, yes, I was. Um, you know, uh, some people found it ed- entertaining, and you know, and I was helping people get on with their day. But I wasn't necessarily achieving necessarily anything. You, you know what I mean? There, there wasn't okay. something that you can. Um, that you can um, I mean it's interesting I was talking to a radio journalist who I worked with and he said whenever he goes and interviews people then they have their you know lots of um, um, bits of the local newspaper cut up and stuck up uh, in their office but nobody sticks up a piece of magnetic tape or or a podcast um, you know, it's a very different, it's a very different medium and there's nothing that is particularly tangible about it. And I think that that's one of the things that I found. So I was very keen. You're in... saying that the fact that it's transient, what was something that made it perhaps not something worthy of doing for the rest of your career, like an anchor or. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think unless you're really, really good. Um, okay. unless you're really good, then I think it's quite difficult to, you know, um, uh, to do the same thing, to sound very enthusiastic for the 247th time when you've played that Michael Jackson song. I see, I see what you, you mean. You know? Um, I think this is so why that... so many of them end up on cocaine, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, and, not, and I'm not uh... saying this in a sequel manner. I'm, I'm you know... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or or worse. Um, no, so I think I think you know, and, and so one of the things that I found um, that I really enjoyed doing was actually learning how to use technology in yeah. order to make make exactly. my job easier. Yeah, and in order to to do more interesting things. So for the last, and to scale it up as well, to scale it up to make it more yeah. reachable to an audience, um, either by way of podcast, which is so easy to uh, to to mm. join or. Yeah, I've I've noticed yeah, that. So, um, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of technology out there which can which can take all of the drudgery, the day to day drudgery away, and help you be more creative. And I think you know, back when I was on on the radio towards the end of the, of of my career in doing that, I was using the computers in the um, 
in the studio to enable me to record things slightly ahead of time and to be able to edit those in so that everything sounded incredibly polished and incredibly, you know, sa sounded really, really good, which well, is something well, that you can't necessarily get from live radio. But you can get a much more polished sound if you just, you know, pre-record just a little bit, of, uh, you know, ahead of time. And so I started sort of learning what you could do with technology there and definitely when moving on to Virgin Radio, moving down to London, you know, working on a national radio station and beginning to work on technology behind the scenes, what we did on the website, what we did on... Yeah, I'm going um, to come to this. I'm phones. going to come to this. So mm. just just, um, just coming back to your point about the training, about what you um, um, studied on, as you said, the School of Life. Yeah. Do you think that back in the day, if master's degrees or bachelor's degrees in podcasting had existed, you would have joined them? You would have tried to get a degree in that? Is that something that um, you think perhaps when when you were of, of, of age going to university, this, mm. this was not an option and therefore you prefer to learn on the job? But do you think that now kids perhaps are in a much better position to learn on the job but as well as uh, uh, learn academically about podcasting and radio training yeah i mean i think that there's no substitute for uh, for experience and there's no substitute for you know being taught by some amazing people and there are some really good um, university courses in podcasting, not too many of them, but there are some. I, I saw you actually um, in your in your pod news newsletter. I saw that you mentioned mm. one saying now kids can actually uh, get a degree in uh, podcasting. Yes. I was yes, like, wow, indeed. <laughs> yeah, so there's one at the uh, City University of London. Um, there are a right. few in uh, North America, you oh, know, wow. and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, there are, there are some of that. Typically what happens, um, certainly in terms of, uh, of radio courses in universities, wow. is that you have people that worked in radio 20 years ago teaching the people of tomorrow how to make radio, and they invariably don't do a very good job of it because they haven't understood how radio has changed mm -hmm. and how, you know, and, and how audio has changed particularly. Um, I think podcasting is slightly different, um, you know, in terms of that. But um, I certainly found it incredibly useful to learn on the job, to learn from, um, you know, to learn from great people who I was working with. Um, and I think, you know, that that was a tremendous experience um, uh, for me. But also working for a very small radio station in the in in the scheme of things, probably what twenty five, thirty employees, which these days would be quite a large radio station, but in those days was quite small. Um, you know, and working working with those uh, folk too. You know, uh, everybody was uh, incredibly time poor. But everybody wanted to do incredibly good, creative things. And so I think technology can free you up to do all kinds of things like that. Yeah. And and so you, you, for sure, for sure. And, and, and I think it was a great idea for you back in the day to, to, to learn on the job. But, uh, so, so what does it mean to be a commercial copywriter in, in radio parlance? Is, does this mean that you produce content, which is then going to be read onto uh, the, the, the uh, on onto the, the airs the, the, the channels by other people is that what it means to be a, a, a um, copywriter? Yeah, um, rather rather more rather more boringly it means going to talk to um, local businesses finding out what they want to advertise and then writing 
radio ads for them, which oh, then go right. on the air. So quite a lot of it was around understanding what makes businesses uh, successful and what doesn't make businesses successful, helping them tell their story on the air, um, and then understanding what worked and what didn't. You know, so this is, was, this is like a, a function which is uh, alongside editorial, but this is not part of the editorial team. Is my understanding? Yeah, I mean, right? it's certainly alongside editorial. A typical radio station will broadcast, you know, 10 or 11 minutes worth of commercial uh, advertising an hour. Um, and so your work goes out on the air. Your work goes out on the air rather more often than most of the DJs do. Um, okay. So, you know, so from that from that point, it's it, it is kind of an editorial role. But of course, you have no contact with the editorial team um, because you're making your But those making companies are paying content. for this. They are, they yeah, are yeah, paying for this content. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah okay. absolutely. Wow, okay. You know, and your your job is to make sure that it that, that the advertising that that company has paid thousands of pounds for is actually working for them. Yeah, absolutely. Does this kind of job still exist in uh, in, in 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 radio today? Is, is yeah, that... it does. Yeah. It exists. It exists a bit less because um, advertisers are more used to writing their own copy for things like Facebook and okay. Twitter and those sorts of things, and they understand what makes a great radio ad okay. or, or a great ad in in general. Um, but it certainly does um, does uh, exist, and certainly when you look at um, large advertising agencies, there is a radio department, and that radio department is making radio ads, but is also making ads that you hear now on podcasts, yeah. um, and ads that you hear um, on Spotify in between some of the songs. So yeah. you know, so audio advertising is still very much a thing, and you know, writing. Um, commercial messages for that is a particular job because you need to be pretty good at making sure that you get a message over really clearly mm -hmm. in a very short amount of time. Sometimes you've got 20 seconds, sometimes you've got 30 seconds to get over a message to make sure that people remember who it was for and what the story was you know, and why you should consider that particular company. Mm. Um, so it's a great, um, it, it's actually, it's a great uh, and helpful thing if you want to write for a living anyway, um, is learning how to be super careful in terms of the amount of words that you're using and making sure that you are, you know, as clear as you possibly can be. Sure, sure. So my clients are happy for, uh, you know, to pay some money to get the, this kind of content. Okay, great. So you mm. evolved mm. from uh, this copyright role to um, so proper advertising work in, in at Halam FM. Then, as I was saying, to IT training for presenters. So, so your role evolved way beyond uh, content writing and um, producing and, and presenting at radio stations over the years. And uh, um, I, I see also that you you really were one of the, the first uh, radio professionals. Um, putting forward the the idea that actually radio work is a, a mix of of, of um, medium uh, uh, such mm -hmm. as the website needs to be tipped up of course there's FM and uh, AM um, channels uh, but also the podcast area on on, uh, on uh, iPhones and uh, and and other uh, tablets and devices. Um, you also mentioned cable and satellite TV. So I think you were one of the early proposers of the fact that 
a, a, a proper radio business needs to have several um, channels of distribution of its content, be it online or AM, FM. Is it, am I correct? In yeah, that yeah you absolutely. You know, and, and the multi... Yeah, the multi-platform nature of radio is a, is a very important thing for radio companies to understand these days. And I think, you know, coming back to what I was saying earlier, a lot of people who are in charge of radio stations had been learning their skills in the 1970s or the 1980s. Right. And skills in 2005... Uh, you know, were completely different. You know, you had to be focused on, okay, if you're interviewing someone, make sure you take photographs of them for the website. Make sure that someone does a transcript of this so that Google will read it. What are we doing in terms of this interview um, for on-demand content, yeah. uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of um, different ways that you can get the most out of your content. Um, and that's been very, you know, helpful for me in the later years of being able to think, OK, well, what are the best ways of getting, you know, of using the content that I have? How can I make it in a way that I can reuse in lots of different media? And, Indeed. you know, and, that, and that's an important side. Yeah, I, I think especially in your role at Virgin Radio, I think this is where you indeed implemented this strategy of of how to maximize the uh, the value and, and exposure mm. of the content be it uh, re, re, sort of um, uh, yeah uh, like oral content or or written content or as you were saying uh, also uh, pictures is would you would you say that the role at uh, at uh, virgin was uh, was really where you you sort of reshuffled the the whole strategy of Virgin Radio to make it more nimble and, and also, up, you know, uh, uh, in phase with the times, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the programme director of the, of the day would uh, also say that he was doing that too. But yes, absolutely. I mean, it was something that we understood as a management team that we, um, you know, the, the role of a radio station isn't just... Um, to be an AM radio station and to just pump out music all day, every day. Not the anymore. The radios, not uh, well, certainly not anymore. And yeah. you know, and actually, if you wanted to grow a brand, then you had to be making your content available in however the ways that your audience wanted to consume it. Now, obviously, you need. Yeah, you you need to earn money out of it as well, of course. But um, and and so some of that goes down to social media, which wasn't really a thing while I was working um, at uh, at uh, Virgin. But um, yeah, that was but, that was it, from two thousand one to two thousand seven. So it's just mentioning that for our audience, so that they. Yeah, yeah, no, and and you know, and I think you know. What, so one of the things that we saw relatively early on is, you know, what what are the ways that we can reach different audiences and reach those audiences that we already have better. So get them to listen longer. One of the ways, of course, was broadcasting online, and um, Virgin Radio was the first first radio station in Europe to broadcast online. So okay. you know, we were very, well, sorry, very. What early. do you mean by broadcasting online? You mean having a um a bit like monocle uh radio where you you go to the website and then you click on uh, play and then it yes. plays. Okay, so because yeah. at the time, 
I mean, were already podcast aggregating platforms existing uh, then in in the early? No. So this was so you know so back in the in the early two thousands. You know, yeah. if you had Windows, you had um, a, a an app on your Windows computer or a program, oh. as we would call it then called Windows Media Player, and in that you could listen to live radio from across the world. I get it. Um, right. You know, and there were various other ways of you listening, mostly through websites and things like exactly. that, as you okay. say. Okay. Um, and Hence, so as we, you were saying we... before, the importance of having a great website for Virgin Radio. Yeah, time, yeah, indeed. The, you know, and so and so, it was important that that would bring 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 people in, and that people would then have a listen. But right. then we realised, okay, well, we've got that. Um, what are the other ways that we can um, that we can get our audience and our uh, and our audio out there? And so, a lot of on-demand audio, which started on the website, uh -huh. um, for you to be able to go back and listen to bits that you might have missed. And then, um, in uh, 2005, two things happened very, very quickly together, it, um, both in March. Um, one of them was the first um, streaming app for a mobile phone in the world right. um, that would let you listen to a radio station, um, which we launched in March of 2005. We worked with a Singaporean company to launch that. It was launched on, I think, five different models of mobile phones. What was it um, called? Because, of course... Well, because, uh, of course, the iPhone wasn't ex wasn't existing then. Um, really? And so oh, the yeah, idea right. of an app store, yeah. the idea of downloading an app was really complicated. But, um, you know, you could just about do it if you had a Symbian phone, uh, which uh, Nokia had and various other people had, Sony Ericsson had. And so we launched that, which was the first mobile phone uh, streaming app in in the world. We called it our 3G tuner. Um, because 3G was a thing which had just been invented and we thought that that would make it sound really exciting, but it actually worked on older phones as well. Um, and so we launched that in March of 2005, but in the same month, we also launched the first um, the first daily podcast from a radio station back in 2005. And again, Apple had When you say we, you mean Virgin, Virgin Radio? Virgin, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so... At, at the time, uh, Apple hadn't put uh, podcasting into iTunes. Um, oh, okay. Podcasting was still a very, very niche Tiny. thing, yeah. um, you know, and people were just discovering it. But um, I saw podcasting and thought, this looks really interesting. This looks like something that we can probably do somehow. Worked out a technical way of doing it. And we launched that back in March of 2005 got some advertising wow. in there so it paid for itself back in 2005 you're already seeing the potential of on uh, online radio slash podcasting although i'm not yeah. sure the term had been invented by then <laughs> podcast yeah, yeah so podcasting <laughs> just it it, it, just, it just, was coming up. just had i think um, i saw an article on your on your website actually uh, which passed through which was saying that it was a, a, a british bloke who invented the word podcast and then it stayed well, yes Yes, uh, not a British, yes, a British person um, uh, invented the word, right. uh, mentioned it in a Guardian article, and then no go. one used it for six months. But when was that? Else, which, do you remember which year it was? Uh, ben, well, uh, so the British person, I can tell you, was uh, a nice man called Ben Hammersley. Okay. Um, who's who's a super who's a super friendly, um, very very British 
uh, uh, chap and very, very good at uh, coming up with all kinds of weird and wonderful uh, names. Um, he first put it into um, the, um, uh, the, the, the Guardian, it was. Um, and he first, um, and he first uh, threw uh, the Guardian um, uh, in there in, um, I think it was in very early February 2004. Well, there you go then. Uh, February the 12th, nice. 2004. So, it's exactly um, yeah, like the he... internet, because internet was uh, 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 created by an English chap as well. And it then was. it was, it was um, how I say, the potential was um, basically multiplied by the Americans, by the, by, by most, mostly by the US, I guess. And was it the same with podcasting? Was it mostly then US brands and, 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 uh, and, and media? Uh, I mean, certainly the US, the US jumped into it. Um, ah. I mean, um, but but I think what what happened here is that yes, it was mentioned in the in the Guardian in February of two thousand and four, but nobody else really used that word um, until September of two thousand and four, when all of a sudden okay. um, someone else um, used that word again, and uh, all of a sudden it took off. Um, nice. And so Ben, Ben absolutely was the first person to make that word up. Okay. Um, but nevertheless, um, you know, it was also uh, it was also later on in the year uh, seen very much as um, as uh, as a as a brand new word and a brand new thing. So it's it's never quite as easy as this person invented the word because uh, yes he might have done but if no one else uses it then did he really invent the word complicated thing sure fair, fair point but it's also to come back to my point that back in mm. 2005 while our devices were still a, a little bit rudimentary i remember back in mm. 2005 2007 i still had a, a blackberry for work um yes. you as a, as, a, as a radio specialist, already saw the potential of podcasting, which is amazing, because for me, the awakening, mm. so to speak, <laughs> happened like around 2013, 2014, I started to become a podcast addict. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So well, well done, and, well done. and a lot of that comes down to uh, some of the big shows, you know. Um, I mean, you know, the serial podcast, for example, yes, which, every, which exactly. everybody talks about, of course. That was the trigger for me. That was like the start. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was, and it was the trigger for an awful lot of of, of uh, people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when that when that uh, came out, um, it was the trigger for a lot of people who all of a sudden thought, "Wow, this is amazing! I've exactly. never." I've never heard anything like this. It came out in 2000, um, uh, uh, interestingly, it came out in, in 2014. So, right. Um, you right. Know, so quite, quite some time after what, what, what we were talking about there yeah. was. But I think the difference was that instead of it being um, a podcast, as quite a lot of podcasts are, um, relatively low production values, um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and a nice interview, um, all of a sudden, this was American public radio production values um, made into an amazing piece of appointment to listen uh, audio. I was and not even people... a true a true crime fan, but it was so mm. uh, the story of of serial was so uh, uh, basically it was just addictive. You, you had to listen yeah. to the next uh, episode. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. No, it was it was very cleverly done, but also there, there weren't that many of them back then. And so once people had found it and were talking to their friends about it and, oh, yeah. wow, you should listen to this and it's mm -hmm. an amazing thing, um, it, it's very different to now, I think, where now we've got, um, depending on whose numbers you look at, either 2.8 or 4.8 or 5.4 million podcasts out there. Right. Um, all yeah. of, uh, you know, and lots of whom are really high quality, really good um, storytelling, you know, and, th and that works fantastically. But actually, from a point of view of, um, you know, of sharing all of this kind of information, that's, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's a, a bit, different. It's, there's a bit of overload now, yes. And I, yeah, I'm yeah. going to come back to this actually in, in a bit, because that was on my list of questions that I wanted to ask you. But yeah, coming, sure. back, coming back to your trajectory in the uh, radio and podcasting uh, industries, uh, I, I saw then that you moved on to the BBC, the Bibs, as they say, um, in, a, in a streaming role um, in relation to better communication at the BBC with internally, probably, but also externally with users, um, revamping their websites uh, and, uh, and, and also setting up the BBC radio player, which later, I suppose, became the iPlayer. So that was really yeah. also at the forefront of the industry uh, uh, t from a technical standpoint. The BBC iPlayer is, is still very much uh, um, uh, very well thought of. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, no, no, indeed. And I think it was very interesting moving from a company which was 80 people, as Virgin Radio okay. was, right. um, to a company which was 28,000. And all of a sudden you go, gosh. 28,000 people at the BBC? Yeah, how do you get anything done at the BBC? You know, it was tremendously hard. Are you um, intuiting that this is a very conservative institution? <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm I'm, I'm just saying that there's, that there's an awful lot of them. And uh, if you want to make any change, if you want to affect any what, change... What, channels, then like BBC One, a... BBC Two? Is that what you're saying? What? Many many channels? No, uh, 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 no in, in, in terms of just people, you know, oh, yeah. there are there are 28,000 people. And so it's if you want to affect... If you want to affect any change in anything in that organization, then you have to talk to so many stakeholders, so many people who have their view and their and their reason why what you want to do can't be done. Really? Um, and so, so you, yeah. Did you, did you so, feel some tension, like people pushing back on your ideas on how to improve the nimbleness? Oh, I mean, it, you know, it, it was a it was a very difficult um, it was a very difficult time, um, you know, for me and a very difficult time, to okay. be fair, in the organization's history. I saw that you stayed had... only three, around three years in this role. Yeah, two years, two years. Yes. Two years and, um, and a few months, yeah. Yeah, and I think, and I think you know, one of the reasons w was that you had a lot of very traditional radio makers and TV makers, but I, I was more talking to the radio makers, but very traditional radio makers who had done what they did for the last 30 years. Their job was to continue doing what they did for another 20 years, and then they could retire. And that was their that was their role. Okay, um, so changing was not on the agenda someone, for these people. Yeah, and so for somebody to come in and say, actually, we might need to rethink how we make this particular show, um, of, without any BBC background of production making of program making, 
um, you know, w was seen as being um, quite difficult for um, some of these more traditional people to actually handle. So, so and I and I can well understand, you know, um, why why that was. So, but so of you course, were there until two thousand nine for two years. Now I we was. are uh, more than ten years down the line. Mm -hmm. Where are these people? These people who had this retirement plan. Oh, Where, most of are them they are still, still there. there or? Yes, most of them are still there. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, my, one of my favourite things was um, I was having a chat with somebody um, and they said, you know, where have you come from? And I said, well, I've come from Virgin Radio and we've done this, this and this and we were first to do this and first to do this. And he said, oh, well, that's all very interesting, James. But you see, here at, here at the BBC, we don't do things first. We do them properly. And I thought, uh, well, there you go. That, that's uh, <laughs> that's. That's me told. <laughs> okay, so, so just for, for for the credit of the bibs, I, I must admit that yes. I personally, I'm, I'm French, right? But I leave most of my yes. in London, where I've been living for the last 22 years, I think. Um, so yeah. I have absolutely zilch interest in French content. I do not listen to any uh, French podcast because I'm not interested right. in that culture. Yeah, no, I'm yes. um, But, um, and I hardly ever listen to UK content. And the only UK content I listen to are a few podcasts on the bibs, such as the Front Row, the cultural podcast. Mm -hmm. And also um, I listen to Mark and Kermit Mayo's um, film review podcast, which is now with Sony, uh, an imprint yes. of Sony, et cetera. So they went, yeah. actually they left the BBC um, where they yeah. were before. So, so, and these are probably like the two UK podcasts I listen to, which are either BBC mm, podcast mm. or ex-BBC podcast. All mm. the rest of the podcasts I listen to are US-based. Can you believe right. Yeah, so to the credit of the BBC, I, I think they, they do have a point where they say we're not the first one to implement changes, but we do them, we do these changes properly or we, you, you know, I think it was, it was an interesting, yes. yeah. So, yes. Uh, yes. but for you, it was difficult because you were feeling all these tensions. Yes. So, you know, for me, it, it was very hard being in the middle of um, very traditional radio production makers and very go get, you know, go get them uh, online people, you know, ex Microsoft people, you know, who were um, accustomed to doing things quickly and doing things well and having, you know, the, the sort of the the traditional part of the BBC pulling them back and you know so who, who and, were these people was that an internal fight or were they also working for the BBC or were they outsiders trying to oh no 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 the... no in entirely entirely inside um, okay you know so I think I think you know that that's always going to be it's it, I mean it's always going to be hard moving from a, a company with you know 80 people to a company with 28,000 yeah. but you've then got the additional uh, you know complication of you know, traditionalism and yeah, and an incredible politics. I mean, incredible politics. So, you know, so from that point of view, it was, it was, um, you know, it was, it was quite, when, it was quite hard. When I see all these people in, doing internal politics, I'm like, how can we have all this time doing internal politics? What are they doing all day? 
Well, you do you know, think but unfortunately, internal, it's, you yeah. need to have a time. And so therefore you need to have this sort of job for life where you're never going to get fired. And, you, you know, to, to, to actually be, be able to be able to dedicate so much time to, uh, to, to the internal politics. Well, you do. And I think and I think on the other side, it really helps if you don't have any sales targets and you don't have any right. profitability targets. Um, okay. And so essentially your job is to spend the money that you have been given. Um, which is the way that the BBC, you know, certainly historically has worked. Absolutely. And I think that that then gets quite hard where there is no mark of success other than, you know, did Tarquin think that that was a good idea or not? Um, because there's no there's no ad sales. There's no you know, you haven't just signed with a client for. This is all going down the drain. I mean, um, uh, for example, one thing I don't like about the BBC iPlayer is that if you if you ever use it, then you have to actually pay the, the tax, right? The TV tax is something in the UK. Uh, hmm. Uh, so, so, so I, I never use the BBC iPlayer. I, I listen to all my podcast on the, on on um, Apple anyway. Uh, podcast aggregator, but but the point is that yeah, but, uh, I mean, I, you know, somebody UK, has to pay to make yeah, that UK content. The UK TV tax is going is, is is has been cut as, as far as I understand. I personally don't don't pay it because I don't have any TV um, set or something. But is is my understand is is my understanding correct that the the TV um, I can't remember what it's called. The the, the TV taxes. Yeah, the television been, license. Yeah, thank yeah. you. The television yeah. licenses has been removed as far as so they can't rely. The BBC cannot rely on the, you know the same old old same old formula. And now they have to respond. I noticed as well is in in this this uh, front row uh, uh, podcast that now we are uh, hmm. uh, uh, playing. That you're getting well. that you're getting free because you're not paying for it. Yes. Well, I have to listen to some ads now, which before was not the case when I was li listening to. So, so, so probably I think that the BBC also has to shift now and and um, start making generating revenues from 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 ad uh, uh, plays. Don't, don't don't you think that that um, this is the case? Well, or? so so the BBC is still is still uh, funded by the TV license. The TV license is about one hundred and sixty pounds a year. Okay, so uh, which is about uh, 200 US dollars. So, um, you know, and that's the way that it it makes its money. That is far, far cheaper than if you were going to go out and buy a subscription to cable TV or satellite TV. So Sky in the UK, direct TV in America and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So from that from that point of view, the funding, uh, the funding is one thing. Um, the question really comes in terms of um, where that value comes and uh, is the value for the for the license fee payer who is paying that amount of money is the value there in what they get back from the organization yeah. um, you know and part of that is driven by ratings and part of that is driven by the type of content that that you know organization makes um, and so you know it, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult conversation to have as more and more people get rid of their TVs Indeed. then that means okay. that the BBC gets less and less money and but so I think, I think the they are also getting away they are doing away with a TV license I think this is something mm, they want to no they're not they're not there, well, there's, no, they? there's okay, no in plans, France they are there's, 
scraping the teeth. There's no plans. Well, in France, yes, of course. But, you know, France, they always do things differently in France, don't they? Um, They even drive on the wrong side of the road in France. Can you believe it? It's uh, it's amazing. In Australia, Um, they they drive. I I think you're right. I I went to Australia and that's right. They also drive in the same sense. And we drive on the correct on the correct side of the road. It's all it's all Napoleon's fault. Mm, uh, used by only probably five percent of people in, <laughs> in the world so moving on from your bbc experience i understand yes. that then you decided to focus mostly on consulting work um for, for various businesses is is that correct yeah. yeah so i think you know when when i left the bbc i thought you know either i can do one of two things i can go and work for another large organization which i didn't particularly much enjoy um or I can help smaller organizations understand what they should be doing um, and help them move forward. So, yeah, so I worked with um, a, a lot of um, different um, people, both, you know, radio um, organizations, but also, um, uh, you know, organizations which were uh, alongside that. So I worked for a company that made radios, for example, which was Indeed, fascinating. I saw that. And so some silicon manufacturers, Pure and Frontier Silicon, that was interesting. What, what mm. was must have been quite groundbreaking. What, what were you doing for these silicon manufacturers, for example? <laughs> yeah. So Frontier Silicon at the time was making, um, was making chips that go into radios. Okay. Um, and, uh, and that includes internet radio and includes various other things as well. They were also uh, actually making uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of the technology that went into iPhones and things like that back in, right. the, in those days. So they did, they did incredibly well. Um, and it was very interesting working on the other side of radio. So instead of working on the, mm. uh, the broadcaster's side and, you know, and actually what comes out of the speaker... Um, working on the side of, well, this is how you tune in. This is, um, you know, what, what's the best way of helping uh, our audience tune into a radio station? How can we make this radio work better? Um, it was almost can, like engineering know. work, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it was a very, it was very interesting. Again, it was where the internet and um, another industry join. Um, right. You know, I'd worked in internet and radio um, programming, and now I was in in internet and um, radio hardware. And you oh, know, right. from that point of view, that was a fascinating um, time of working out. You know, how if you've got ten thousand radio stations available to you on a radio device, what's the easiest way of allowing people to tune into those particular stations? Um, how can people find a new and interesting station that they haven't yet heard? What can you do in terms of personalization? All of that kind of stuff was really interesting. Um, and, um, you know, and uh, Pure continues to be a very successful manufacturer of uh, r- r- radios that are available, you know, across the world. That's wonderful. Well done. So you help them through uh, to, to, to uh, get an even bigger share of business. That's wonderful. I also saw that um, uh, since 2010, you've been really much involved in radio player. So actually, I looked into it and uh, um, I, I, I must admit, I wasn't aware of the existence of radio player. Would you please explain to us what that is and what it entails? And Yeah, so the, the original the original idea of Radio player was um, that um, just like a radio, if you've got a radio, it picks up all of your favorite stations. You okay. don't have to buy, go out and buy a different radio for every radio station that you have a listen to. So why should the Internet be any different? 
So Radio Player um, was uh, originally an app that you could download for your mobile phone or you could use on the website, and it would have all of UK radio in one place. And then, so are we um, talking radio... FM radios or also online radios or both? Um, all of UK in well in the UK it was all licensed radio stations so that could be on FM and AM could be on DAB which is another way of broadcasting radio yeah. um, but as long as it was licensed so as long as it um, as long as the content was you know licensed by the uh, by the media regulator okay. um, then it was available on on the radio player app that was, was that the, the is that Ofcom? choice that we made well, yes asked, and that was Ofcom uh, in the UK yeah, yeah. right right yeah, yeah. Okay. and so um and so then we realized that um this isn't just a UK thing this is a across the world thing so there's now radio player in Norway there's radio player in Belgium there's radio uh -huh. player in France okay. and there's radio player in Ireland all over the place there are individual radio players as part of this wider radio player um, uh, work but what that also allows um, people to do particularly if you're a car manufacturer for example it allows you to go to one place and say, give me all the radio stations you have. I want to license and you for know that. that those, yeah, and you know that those radio stations are licensed. You know right. that they are um, of decent quality. You know okay. all of the all of the technical details around those radio stations, logos, and everything else. Mm -hmm. Just go to one place, and it, and it fixes everything. So right. um, it makes makes life much much easier if you're in comparison if you're in uh, competition with. You know Spotify or Deezer or any of these other you know services. You, you, you've already got one one point of contact for it's music. It's like a, an, well elitist, of... an elitist, an uh, elitist uh, uh, radio and podcast aggregator because you need to have a license. They need all. They need to have a license with Ofcom. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a radio aggregator more than yeah. more than a podcast yeah. aggregator. It's yeah. got podcasts in it and, and on-demand content uh, in it from those licensed radio stations. But I think the difference is that you need to have some kind of understanding of quality um, in order for you to, you know, trust what you're going to get from that particular service. And, you know, and this was back in the days before you know, weird stuff like GB News and Talk TV and all of these weird TV stations which have um, uh, started in the UK since. But actually, okay. you know, looking looking back then, you know, the rules were pretty clear in terms of um, in terms of uh, politics, in terms of the information that you would end up making available. And so just making sure that there was a quality standard kind of made an awful lot of sense in that in that way. Yeah. Well, thank you for explaining what Radio Player is about. Thank you. So um, since 2017, you've been involved full-time in podnews.net, which I really like and I religiously read every day. Thank you. <laughs> Get the <laughs> newsletter. Um, and I was wondering what prompted the idea of launching Podnews.net in, back then in 2017? Well, I was um, I, so I do an awful lot of speaking at international conferences, and I was at the Worldwide Radio Conference, which sounds very exciting, uh, in Los Angeles, and I was chatting to a I friend of mine be. in the bar uh, yeah. after one of one of the days, yeah. and he just get, get a, a throwaway comment to me. He said, "Where do where do you get your news about podcasts?" Oh. And I said, "Oh, I don't I don't know." 
Um, and I've been writing that every single day, yeah. um, ever since. I admire, yeah. I admire the, uh, the discipline. I really admire yeah. the discipline. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, and that, thank you for the explanation. So that was just, so Serial was in 2014 where podcasts really started to become super pro uh, popular and gain traction. You had this conversation with your mate back in 2016, 2017. So it was just indeed yeah. where podcasts were really becoming a thing. We personally launched um, in 2016 at uh, uh, Lawfully mm -hmm. Creative by doing interviews with people who are um, part of the creative industries. And I immediately saw it as a, as a wonderful way, so to speak, to uh, communicate the, with the world, yeah. like yeah, yeah. DIY way, because back then, Anchor, uh, which now is uh, uh, Spotify for podcasters, was free and still is free. And mm -hmm. it, it was very easy to, uh, to, to set up this, uh, this, this podcasting channel, so to speak. So I, I found mm. it quite um, fun, like a bit like a game. I, I found it really wonderful. So you found this niche with you, which you started to exploit. So I think this is really great. Good timing. The only problem, though, with hotnews.net, the name, is that there are so many um, uh, websites about the podcasting industry which start by pod, but you get confused. So there's yourself, but there's also uh, pod news, but there's also pod track, and then there's podnet. And then Yes. After a while, you're like, Ooh. yes, there are an awful lot of them. I I know. I do appreciate that. I mean, one one of the uh, one of the interesting things around launching a new business is working out a name that explains what it is, um, and that is really generic without being too generic not to be able to trademark. So you've got to make it relatively unique oh, so that you can it? trademark it. Right. Yeah, of course. So, so you wanted it to be not too generic so that you could trademark it. Yes. Yeah. Or, but I wanted it. Yes. But I wanted I, I wanted to make it obvious what it was. Yes. But I also well. wanted to, you know, so if you were searching for podcasting news, you would find it. But I also wanted to make it trademarkable because there is real benefit okay. in having a registered trademark and having the law behind you, you know, in terms yeah. of that here. I am telling a lawyer about that. But uh, no, no, yeah. absolutely. So, I went through mm. the same process and lawfully creative now is, is, is a registered trademark and I'm trying to enforce it because there are some other uh, uh, podcasts which are mm. saying the, the word lawfully and, and making a pun on the word as well, which is rather annoying. So I'm, I'm going after these people to enforce my rights. <laughs> But um, fair enough. So and you did trademark it in, in Australia? Uh, no, it's it's trademarked in the US and in Canada. Um, okay. and, it, and it was important to trademark it in the US because that's where the podcast directories are. That's where Apple is. That's right. where Spotify um, really is. I know that Spotify is based in Stockholm, but it really is to all intents and purposes based in the US. In and so important, important that it was based, um, that it was uh, there. And right. once, of course, you have a registered trademark in a country like the US, uh -huh. then you might, there might be other people um, with that 
uh, trademark in other countries, but it all comes down to the US and whether or not you're actually, you know, um, a registered trademark there. I see. Um, and so being able to wave that at Apple or at Spotify and say, you need to get rid of these two shows uh, because uh, because here's the law. This is um, what I've been doing. Yeah. Super, super helpful. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I found that uh, I found that very helpful. You found you said before that nowadays we have like 2.8 million podcasts out there in the yes. uh, in, in in the ether. Um, but uh, rebounding on the, on the, on this comment, which uh, is factual and I think is absolutely fair, do you still think that podcasting is a, a quickly expanding medium uh, media segment? Oh, most most certainly. I mean, if if you look at if you look at some of the numbers, it, it depends what numbers you look at, and you could very easily pull some data showing that the amount of new podcasts being created is going down at the moment. Um, uh, and of course, it would be in comparison to the pandemic because everybody yes. could launch a podcast in the pandemic because uh -huh. um, they didn't have anything else to do. Um, so I you mean, can have hey, a look at it. Hang on, it was it was it was a constructive way to use your time. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. That's something. exactly what I meant. That's exactly what I meant. So, um, so there was that there was that sort of um, uh, side of it, but still, the amount of um, the amount of shows which are. Um, coming out which are out there the quality of them continues to increase and good, good. Um, there are you know shows I think the big difference is that um, between podcasting and other forms of media is that you aren't necessarily chasing the big numbers you're not always chasing the best seller what you're actually chasing is you know a show um, which is going to reach a certain proportion of your audience. And yeah. if you are making a show about beer brewing, for example, aimed at brewers of beer, then you're not going to have, you know, you won't have millions and millions and millions yeah. of people tuning in because millions of people aren't brewers of beer anymore, you know. Um, but as long as you've got enough of those people, then sponsors um, for equipment used in brewing beer are going right. to be really interested in talking to you. It's, it's so, and I think that's the big difference between, you know, uh, broadcast, broadcast yeah. media, where they're just looking for big numbers and mm -hmm. podcasting, where actually niche is best. It's, it's quite funny, actually, that um, it's becoming a meme in the podcasting industry. Oh, there must be a podcast for that. Surely there's a podcast yes. for that because you can find a podcast for almost every niche uh, uh, sector yes. and micro sector in the world. Oh, you, yeah. should, you should look out for a podcast for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, but but yeah, so it's 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 most definitely it's, um, you know, it's important to appreciate what the difference is there. Yeah. Yeah. So what you are saying is that we probably reached peak production of new, like or peak peak launch of, of new podcasts because the uh, pandemic thing got to that is behind us. So now we can mm. some other things that staying indoors yes. or is it, but yes, uh, yes. <laughs> as far as I know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, pandemic was uh, was was finished. Uh, uh, I think uh, in 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 at the end of two thousand twenty two as a global pandemic by the WHO. Mm. Um, so 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 the peak time is finished for now. Um, yeah. But you are saying that we have not reached saturate saturation point and that there's still space 
for new, extremely good or extremely targeted and extremely targeted uh, podcasts, new podcasts to launch out there. There's still some place for them, a place for them, room. Them. Yeah. Oh, th- th- there's definitely a place for them in terms of audience. There is nice. also uh, there is also significant growth um, in the business of podcasting as well, in the amount of uh, money that you can make. And I think also podcasting is different depending on different countries. So okay. um, the U.S. has a very different podcast market because it is much more. Um, it's much more established than much of Europe and much of Asia, for example, that actually you have very different looking markets. The growth right now is a growth in Europe and a growth in Asia and in Africa. Um, And in fact, the Middle East as well, you know, we're seeing tremendous growth in places like Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar, um, uh, you know, those sorts of places, the UAE, um, as people understand what podcasting can do in those parts of the world as well. So actually, you know, I think what we're seeing is um, lots of different uh, markets of podcasting growing at different rates, but tremendous opportunity, particularly in mainland Europe, where, you know, podcasting itself growing particularly fast in uh, in uh, in uh, Germany France has always had a thing for audio drama which is something that not very many other countries have gone into and that's and that's been and that's been fascinating to watch so I think you know um, uh, all kinds of different of different things there so I'd I'd like to rebound on two things you just mentioned the first you Mm. were is that you were saying that in podcasting, there are some monetizing uh, uh, opportunities. And uh, frankly, mm. I i mean, of course, when I launched this podcast back in 2016, I wasn't, it was more like a hobby to, to understand better my, 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 my uh, sector yeah. of focus as a lawyer, which are the creative industries. But, you know, with all the time and energy that you spend on doing podcasts, at some point you're asking yourself, when am I going to ever... <laughs> be able to monetize this and this was actually on my list of questions for you james is do you think that actually the the monetizing opportunities for podcasts is really a thing because we we've seen for example that um spotify uh, um, i think we can say uh, completely failed on its <laughs> on its uh, strategy to 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 make its uh, podcasting um division profitable it, it 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 paid an enormous amount of money to buy the likes of um um what was it again uh, joe rogan for example yeah yeah I joe mean, rogan I, but I... there was also another one which was really great um about they, they, like a studio that they bought um uh the name elapses me but they also paid a lot of money for yeah. that and then they just uh fired everyone yeah, podcast and gimlet and those sorts gimlet, of and those you. sorts of organizations and yes. i think you know look you you can have a look at spotify in two ways you can um, look at Spotify and go, um, is that a great company? Um, podcasting aside, is that a great company uh, in terms of making money? And the answer is no, it's never been a great company uh, making a profit. I think it's made its second second quarter of profit ever, um, uh, I think, recently. But also, you, you also have a look uh, around... The share price you know, anybody... is not bad, though, you know, at Spotify. I, I own some Spotify shares, and it's not bad. It's always going up. Well, at the moment, my, my stock portfolio is, is mostly going down, and, and Spotify shares are doing are holding pretty well. 
Well, yeah, because all of a sudden they're making they're making profit again. They've fired oh. lots of people, which um, stupid people who buy shares really enjoy the fact that you can the fact that you can fire lots of people Thank and you, therefore less less cost. Um, <laughs> so uh, I have a very the, uh... <laughs> I, I have a very low I own shares, but I have a very low opinion of uh, of, of most of the analysts. I have to say, but I think you know you you can look at it on the other side and you can go well. Actually, Spotify has been tremendously successful in its podcasting uh, plans. Really? Uh, it came from nowhere five, five years ago, six years ago, and is now the number one uh, consumption um, uh, pl place in terms, of, uh, in terms of people, certainly, uh, in the world for, for, um, for uh, podcasts. If you compare that with Amazon, who jumped into podcasting about three years ago and is still a less than 2% player, Right. Um, or Google, who are now on their fifth podcast app, um, still don't know what they're doing in terms of that um, and have conspicuously failed. I think you can point to Spotify and say that has been an incredible success right. that we can actually turn around and look at and go, wow, you know, they really achieved something. Interesting. There. Even though um, there was a lot of collateral damage due to the fact in particular that, that those shows which were taken out of other platforms than just a Spotify platform, mm were not mm. making enough money. They were not generating enough money. So I think I think this is what at some point um, earlier this year they decided to fire almost the whole team at Gimlet. And uh, and I think that the deal with Joe Rogan, are they renewing? Or, 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 do, do you know whether it was... Uh, we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't, don't know yet. So that, that, that's the, uh, the you know, the $200 million question. I mean, come on. Um, you know, um, so they may, I, I would imagine that they would love to renew and I would imagine that really? Joe would love to renew as well, but but we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But well, do you think this is overpaying, this guy? Oh so yeah, fat? I mean, you know, yeah, they're paying him, they're paying him. We, 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 we might not like it, but I'm not necessarily sure that that show is aimed at us. So, <laughs> so I think okay, it's like know, the lowest it's, common it's been, denominator approach. Yeah. Okay. It's been, it's the number one podcast listened to in the UK right. as well as in the, in US. the UK as um, well. I thought only in the, the UK US. as well. And, um, you know, and the only place that you can listen to it is on, is on Spotify. Oh, we no, don't okay. know how many people, um, the Joe Rogan show has has actually converted from maybe an Apple Music user, Ooh, maybe a YouTube Music user to wow. Spotify. Um, ah, so this is why you, you know think we don't really we don't know do. that either. Yeah, so I so I think you know I think Spotify has been has been really interesting. I I don't like necessarily large organisations that. Um, you know, muscle in and try and um, and try and elbow other people out of the way. But on the other hand, you know what they've done for the, for the podcasting industry, and I think particularly over the last year, where they've cut down on the amount of exclusives that they have, right. um, because they've realised that they can actually make more money by oh. releasing their shows everywhere because <laughs> their shows have advertising in them. Exactly. And on the other side, you know, you, you need to bear in mind, you know, to come back to earning money out of out of um, shows. You need to come back to the fact that many of us do podcasts for not necessarily to earn money out of that specific podcast, yeah. but to raise our influence and our awareness so that we can our earn accounts. more money out of our business. That's um, true. 
And, and so from that point of view, this show is already a tremendous money earner for you because you, you know that it's reaching, uh, you know, thousands of people that will that that will stroke have hired you as a, you know, as a lawyer. Yes. So I think, you However, know, at some point um, last year when I had the time now that the uh, thank God the economy is back, I no longer have the time to do this. But I was actually doing the um, uh, French translation of all my podcasts. Uh, thanks to mm. uh, some app and but then I had to check all the, that the software was translating because sometimes the uh, translations were crap because it was AI it was not done by a person this yeah, was so yeah. time consuming I stopped doing that because so what I'm trying <laughs> to say is that I still think that you know monetizing uh better monetizing options would be would be uh would be good um, um and and if that mm. doesn't happen, if if you can't monetize in a, in a way which is more um, efficient, yeah. I, I think that there's going to be a massive consolidation in this industry. Well, there's, you won't be there's, able to have I, like three I, million I would agree, I would agree with that. because you I would agree people with that. need to if, pay the bills. <laughs> yes, I mean, I would agree with that if everything is is put down on advertising. And I think the, the, the difficulty around advertising is that, for a start, it stops you from saying things that you would otherwise, oh. um, that you would otherwise say. Mm -hmm. If you are sponsored by, um, you know, if you're, if you're sponsored by a particular company, it makes you hesitant about saying anything bad about that particular company, if you otherwise would have done on your, on your show. Um, and so it's a form, some people argue it's a form of censorship um, when, you, when you have advertising. And there's, and there's certainly an argument there. But I think, you know, the, on the other side, lots of other ways of earning re revenue, of earning um, uh, value out of the podcast that you do, whether that's um, the benefit that it does for the rest of your business, whether that is um, there are new forms of podcasting apps where you actually earn money, very small amounts of money, but you earn money per minute from your audience. Mm -hmm. um, so you actually like see Fontaine? this money. Are you talking about Fontaine, for example? Yeah, so Fountain is Fountain is one of those. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there are plenty of other um, you know apps out there, and you earn a very small amount of money from your audience as they listen. They can boost you more if if they want to do that. Yeah. Um, and there are certain podcasters out there who are earning their living from um, from you know exactly that as well. Right, uh, and yeah, I'm not quite sure the subscription route is such a good idea because then you are basically putting this paywall and then therefore your yes. cost doesn't go out there, which I think is just... Yeah, uh, exactly, which is where I think... Purpose I think of this sort of, <laughs> yeah, which is where I think that this sort of middle ground of... Uh, um, it's called a value-for-value value podcast, but the middle right. ground of um, allowing people to give you money if they get value from it. Um, okay. is is the way forward. So you're not cutting wow. people off. You're not, um, you know, it's, well, it's so kind by of saying, a little bit give of honesty me a tip on both if you sides. think this is good or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you okay. ask for if if you ask for a tip, then you'll get you know one or two euro. So that's not much good. But if you ask, <laughs> um, but if you ask for you know what value is this to you, um, you know, and I I would really appreciate it if if you're getting value from this. Um, then give me th some value back, and that might be in, ter in terms of money, that might be in terms of time, talent, or treasure. 
Um, so that yeah. might be money, that might be um, telling lots of people about this particular show, whatever it might be. So professional um, podcasters decide to have also an alternative channel on, on um, uh, a Patreon. Yeah, on Patreon and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, where you get additional stuff in there exactly. as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, so to come back to the Pod News newsletter, the way that that uh, earns money is threefold. It's got advertising, but we've been very careful... Sorry, in which the newsletters are you talking about? Sorry. Yeah, in in the newsletter, the the um, the the uh, the the uh, Pod News newsletter that I write every yes. day. Oh, um, okay. That 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 has th three different types of revenue generation. One of them is advertising um, sponsorship, um, mm -hmm. and we're very careful that the same company can't sponsor more than one month because we don't want the same old company being there. We want there to be in a nice range. Um, there's classified advertising, which is much, much cheaper, which, uh, um, you know, allows anyone to advertise within it. Um, and then there is um, uh, there are uh, supporters in there as well. So companies okay. that will support the newsletter um, uh, every single, you know, uh, uh, every single day that it goes out. Um, and what I think is interesting there is that that has essentially ended up being a third of each. So a third of it is raw advertising where you have to be really nice to the advertisers um, uh, if, you, if you feel that you really ought to. Um, then there's a third of it, you know, classified advertising, a third of it being um, s supporters, and we have around about 100 supporters. Um, and that is, I think, uh, that I, I think has been really helpful because and really healthy in terms of the, 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 the revenue that you can actually get. And it, you, you know, um, because it's, it's you know, like I'm, a mix. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, a of, it, it's a good mix. And it means that editorially, even if, you know, um, even if uh, uh, Descript, for example, who is currently sponsoring, e even if they do something bad and I have to write a story about them doing something bad and stupid and they never advertise again, right. then actually it's not threatening for my business to well, do the right thing, you know? Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think this is an issue which perhaps is more um, uh, uh, pertinent for your, your business. I, I don't think that I would be limited... Uh, for example, on on our our lawfully created podcast, I don't think I would be limited um, uh, in in my freedom of speech because of the sponsors I have. But yeah, fair enough. Mm. Another thing as well, which I heard is a, is a good way to generate money is um, host read um, ads. I heard that this uh, from a chap from uh, Vocalize, you know, one of his. Uh, uh, yeah. stats uh, uh, software uh, enterprises uh, companies he, he told me that basically striking deals for host uh, red uh, ads was was quite remunerative so i have to investigate <laughs> yeah and and the, and you know those do work rather better for the advertiser in most cases you know the, the, it it's a much better listen than all of a sudden stopping and having somebody shouting at you over some loud music for 30 seconds about something that you're not particularly interested in. <laughs> um, to have you actually talk about this particular, you know, uh, new pen for lawyers that, uh, you know, that you can, that you can sign lots of scary looking, looking contracts within, uh, within minutes. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, that that people are expecting that kind of content anyway. It's more um, easy in the uh, softwares nowadays, uh, James. Than, than yeah, I, I know. But, uh, I yeah, know. I see the point. I know, but uh, 
Yes. No, you're right. Um, it, has, it can be more targeted to the to the audience. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 No, indeed. And and you know, and and it's much more trustworthy as well. Um, you, you know, the the audience would theoretically. Uh, at least think that you wouldn't be talking about a particular product if oh, you yes. personally didn't believe in it. Yes. Um, you know, Already uh, on uh, Megaphone, uh, where we are hosted, I have, uh, uh, you know, struck out uh, quite a lot of sectors, such as weapons, um, guns, um, advertisements, and also oil and gas. Those are some of my choices. But yeah, mm. on, on Megaphone hosting platform where we are, um, mm. we can really strike out a lot of uh, of sectors not not to be conflicted, um, you know, from an ethical standpoint. And um, actually, what you just said uh, reminded me. Um, yeah, I I read an article that you published on the twenty third of October uh, on oh. news saying uh -oh. that um, uh, podcasters are the most trusted people in media. So I, uh, this just c compounds your point that um, host-read um, ads are actually uh, more trusted by by the audience than uh, than just random automated ads. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. If you if you trust that if you trust that uh, that uh, survey, of course. Um, Which I think yes, was no. focusing on India, right? <laughs> it was focusing on India, wasn't it? Oh, I can't, I can't remember quite. But um, but the data, the data, every single um, every single time I see some of that uh, data is normally saying that podcasters do very well. As as by the way, do radio presenters do very well in terms of trust? And part of that is because you can hear us. And not just you can hear us, but we are we are in most cases whispering into your ears. Right. Ninety-two percent of podcasts are listened to on headphones. Yes. So we Correct. are we are. I do it you, when you I know. do my ironing or. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, when I'm out walking the dog. Um, <laughs> when I'm out walking the dog. No, so... When I jog in the morning, I need to listen to to some music because if I listen to a podcast, then I'm thinking about a lot of. Uh, like my right brain is is working too much, and then I can't run anymore. After no, well, there's, well, well, there's an easy way around that, and that's not not to jog. Uh, oh no, 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 that's, impossible that's, for me. That's what my plan is. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, but you know, I mean, I think I think you know that ear. that is one of the it's things. Lovely. It's lovely. I mean, one one of the things around podcasting is you know, and the word intimate is used an awful lot. But you know, mm. if you are listening to the same voice every single week. Right. Um, uh, and you get to know those people and, you know, you will, I'm sure that you will have had the same conversations that I've had with people who come up to you and they say, oh, you know, what you said uh, three months ago about such and such was really good. And I've, and I sort of kept that with me and, and, right. and they're going, you know, wow, that was, that was a long, long time ago, <laughs> you know? So um, yeah, you're a bit but, like you know, me, like you focus on the topic and you really uh, uh, master the topic and then you write the podcast, you write the content. That's how it work. And then, uh, and then I forget all about it and I move on to the next topic. And so therefore <laughs> when I have to, actually... that's pretty well it, that's pretty well it. And I <laughs> should when, say, you know, yeah. We we were talk we were talking we were talking earlier on about um, really focusing on um, using using technology in 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 some ways to to Correct. to um, to make sure that you get the most out of your content and to make sure that you can focus on being creative. One of the reasons why there's a podcast version of the Pod News newsletter um, is is well there are two reasons for that one reason is i felt that i ought to run a podcast if i was doing a newsletter about it it's very well the more important, well done 
Yeah, but the, yeah. the more important reason why I was doing it is that, and you, you will know this, you have to read out loud what you have written in order to spot any mistakes in it. True. That's the best way of spotting, of spotting a mistake. And so therefore, I thought, well, hang on a minute. If I'm reading this out loud anyway, I might as well record myself reading exactly. it out loud exactly. and make wow. it into a podcast. That's so, true. Sometimes I pick up typos and I'm like, I have yeah. to stop in the middle of my podcast, take a note that I have to change this on my uh, yeah. <laughs> our website. Yeah. So, as, so, you know, so a lot of it comes down to... A lot of it comes down to workflow, and that's the thing that I think I've learned more than more than anything else over the last exactly. uh, over the last five years. It's, it's focusing on the reason why the Pod News newsletter comes out um, uh, around the sort of time that we're recording, except not today because I'm talking to you. Um, but the reason why it comes out at this sort of time is that it's nine o'clock in the in the evening here for me. Wow. Um, I know that I can go and work for someone else during the day. I can still come home um, and write the, the newsletter. I've still got enough time to end up end up uh, uh, doing that. And that just so happens to coincide with six in the morning in New York, which is a perfect time okay. to release a podcast that a lot of a lot of Americans read. And around um, eight eight a.m. Uh, no, sorry, I think I think I receive your letter in the early uh, uh, early afternoon. Yeah, so you'll you'll okay. receive it at um, at uh, eleven in the morning yes. uh, UK time during the winter and twelve during the summer. Right. Because because daylight savings time and we don't yeah. do it here, um, oh, okay. so so a lot of a lot of all of that is just based on workflow. It's based yeah. on getting Very rid well of said. the of the of the tedious stuff and focusing on the stuff where you can actually add value when when you can be creative, when you can you know really focus on what it is that you do well. Yeah. Last question and rebounding on the point that you made about um, geographic distribution on, of podcasting. Mm. I noticed in particular through the pot track uh, 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 data and um, and stats that they release every every month that indeed the US uh, uh, big channels um, are podcast publishers are basically enormous in this humongous in this industry in terms of uh, unique monthly audience and global streams and downloads iHeart has got 900 free shows at the moment, and Wondery, another US uh, uh, podcast publisher, has got 230 shows, and, and they just increase. Every month you can see on PodTrack that they've got uh, more and more shows. Yeah. Uh, for example, back in March 2023, iHeart had only 800 shows, now 903. So mm. I wanted to ask you, why is that? Why is it that the US is doing so well at podcasting? Is it because we are always at the forefront of things? I mean, are we again laggards, us in Europe? Um, I, I, uh, so if you're looking at the pod track data, then uh, I'm afraid probably the, the answer is a, rather, is a rather more boring answer no, of pod track, really, a pod track really only measures US uh, yes. I see. Yeah. Okay. And fair that, enough. And so, but... and so you end up you end up looking at that. Um, there's there's um, there's some interesting data that comes out of Triton where they uh, have a okay. look at individual countries across the world: uh, Canada, the U.S., um, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the Netherlands. Um, they've got Latin America and various other things. Again, it's only participating publishers, but you get a, a, a much better global view, you know, of that. 
if you look at the total amount of podcasts which are released, yeah. then the amount of podcasts in the English language is not the most popular language. Um, actually, it comes down to Hindi. It comes down to a lot of Southeast Asian languages um, where there's real growth in those in those markets at the moment. The Arabic podcast world is tremendously successful at the moment as well. Okay. I think a lot of is a lot of the data that we see is driven by the U.S. and driven by the U.S. market an awful yeah, lot. Analytics. And in fact. And it, yeah, and in fact, you know, one of the stories that I'm publishing the, this week is about how much money the U.S. makes in comparison to uh, how much money uh, the rest of the world makes from podcasting. Okay. Um, and it turns out that if you look at the U.K., for example, it should be doing five times more than it is in terms of podcast revenue based on its size and based on the amount of people who listen it should be doing about five times more than it really is um and, why? and it's not and well why is a good question partially that's because the bbc exists and the bbc of course is commercial free hi everyone so here you are at the end of this podcast with james greenland the um, publisher and uh, editor of um, pod news the publication of reference for podcasting industries nowadays. Um, as you might have noticed, the podcast was cut a bit short because my MacBook Pro failed on me and died on me due to a battery issue of some sort. So anyway, I think you got the gist of it, listening to um, James uh, so far. And um, yeah, he's a great, uh, great, insightful guy who knows almost everything there is to know about the podcasting industry. And uh, do reach out to him if you have some questions or some ideas of uh, topics that you would like him to brush on. Meanwhile, I'm going back to our law firm, Crifovi, to work for our clients. And I wish you a great time. Until next time, we speak on either a uh, podcast in the form of interview with one of our guests who uh, to discuss their trajectory in the creative industries or for a live in webinar uh, usually uh, streamed on linkedin as well as zoom in relation to a uh, business and legal topic of relevance to the creative industries bye for now and don't forget to like us to follow us to buzz around about us on twitter facebook instagram linkedin we love it thank you everyone bye